This podcast has been created by Retina UK, a national charity working for people with inherited sight loss. We hope that you enjoy listening to it. Welcome to the Retina UK podcast. Today we're joined by Steve Bate, MBE. Steve is a VI adventurer and Paralympic cyclist who lives with RP. He has scaled the huge El Capitan rock face in Yosemite and won two gold medals and a bronze in the four kilometre pursuit at the Rio Games, breaking a world record in the process. Steve is here to talk about his journey to this year's Games in Tokyo next month. Thank you for joining us, Steve. No worries, yeah, it's nice to, uh, nice to be back. Fantastic, and how is the training going? Um, well, my body hurts a lot at the moment, so I guess it's going really well, I suppose. That's how, that's how we gauge things here in cycling. If, uh, if you're hurting, it's working. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's yeah, going, going really well, actually. Um, I'm currently in a bit of a period of uh, isolation after coming back from Portugal um, 10 days ago. So today's my last day, so I'm pretty excited to uh, get, get back out on the bike and, uh, yeah, get in the sunshine. Fantastic. And how many hours a day do you actually train for? Uh, that kind of depends on what where I am in the sort of training cycle. Um, so sometimes it can be six to eight hours a day, uh, and sometimes it can be just an hour e easy spinning. It just it kind of really depends. So we kind of go through phases of training or blocks of training. So um, really far out from an event like the like Tokyo, for instance, we um, do like a huge endurance block. So that's just gaining lots and lots of miles on the bike. Um, Get it, getting your energy system really efficient at just dealing like with with big blocks and and that's not particularly hard training and not particularly intense you're just riding a lot you know of miles um and as as that kind of window gets closer and closer to the games you kind of stop doing the volume based stuff the big miles and you start focusing on more kind of intensive type things like more kind of race effort so for that four kilometer pursuit it's about a four minute effort for us um so uh yeah lots of the lots of the stuff i'll do then will be on the turbo you know doing really short sharp hard horrible efforts um so yeah it, re it really just depends on where we are so i'm kind of um i'd say leaning towards now more the kind of intensive stuff with still volume in the training as well at, at the moment you know because we're uh We've got what another month or so before we go, so um, yeah, it's start it's starting to get pretty pretty hard. I'd imagine nutrition is hugely important. Do you have a very specific diet that you have to follow during your training? Um, I've I've been pretty fortunate, really. I think because I'm a uh, I'm moving an old man of the team now. Um, I don't really get too much grief from the nutritionists, which is which is nice. I think uh, when you can kind of prove that you can kind of look after yourself and, uh, and and eat well and cleanly and, you know, not not fluctuate hugely in weight. You kind of get left alone to your own devices. So I'm pretty fortunate in that respect. I still, um, yeah, I can still pretty much eat whatever I want, but that's obviously in context of being an athlete. So, uh, you know, there's no kind of pie and chips and curry sauce for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I still, I still get to eat quite, you know, quite a, quite a mix of uh, mix of food, which, um, you know, obviously, yeah, uh, it's the best part of cycling gear to eat your face off. So it's great. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and when do you actually leave for Tokyo? And are you expecting it to be a very different experience to the Rio Games, given everything that's happened? Yeah. Um, well, we will go into holding camp uh, in 
probably probably a couple of weeks i think so we uh i think at the beginning of august i think we'll go into what you know a holding camp which is basically this, this it's kind of like the pre-games camp for the for all the athletes um we're all the different disciplines do their own different thing. Um, for cycling, we'll, we'll be based in Wales at the Celtic Manor, which is a really nice uh, golf resort. But um, it's kind of away from everything, which is what the, I guess, one of the key ingredients is to kind of remove yourself from the public, from the media, all that sort of thing. So all we're focused on is, you know, putting the icing on the cake effectively in terms of your performance and, and delivering that performance. So, um, yeah, being, going into that camp's, critical in terms of you know like it, it's a really small thing so but right before a games everyone wants to say oh congratulations good luck and shake your hand and give you a hug but obviously you know viruses get passed on really easy like that and obviously with the current situation that is you know that could be fatal for one of us in terms of not in terms of fatal dying but in terms of not being able to go to a game so to be removed and put into a holding camp like that is actually a really nice thing because you can relax around you know, kind of uh, all, all that sort of stuff because it's, it's quite a sterile environment, um, obviously. Uh, and then, so we'll be there for two weeks. And then I think at the, about the 17th, 18th of August, we'll fly to, uh, fly up to Tokyo. So uh, yeah, it's um, kind of exciting, scary, uh, nerve wracking, you know, it's uh, five years in the making this um, from Rio. So it's um yeah I, th I think it's going to be hugely different um they've already said it as probably everyone knows there's no international spectators um interestingly the japanese kind of public a uh, uh, kind of i think the last poll i saw and this is a couple of months back you know like 80 percent or something of them didn't want the games to go ahead so you know which is a really bizarre thing as an athlete you know like i want to go and compete but if you know you're going to a country and those people don't want you to be there it's kind of mixed emotions you know do should i really be going um so yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of difference uh in this you know will, will they completely boycott it so the stands will be empty i don't know um you know japanese love sport that you know when we were there we luckily we're there in 20 I think 2018 we went over for uh, for a week to kind of recce the the race courses and things and you know, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, that was my second time in Japan. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal place and it's, it's super exciting. But it, I do feel there's kind of like this cloud that's over it. You know, every, everyone was thinking the games will go ahead and it'll be the massive, great reuniting of sport. And, you know, with the Olympics and Paralympics and it'll bring everyone together. And I don't think the world's quite ready yet for, you know, for that to really happen and to be the full flourish games that we're, that we're used to. So um yeah i mean it's uh i think personally it's really good for me that it's going to be very different from rio uh rio was obviously an amazing experience for us our first games you know very successful um but everyone who's you know carried on with success in terms of elite sport like big sports teams like you know like formula one teams or the all blacks and things like that they, they always say if you're if you do the same thing and expect the same result, you, you'll, you'll fail dismally. So, um, so for me, it's kind of nice that it's, it's very different this time around. And which events are you actually competing in this time, Steve? Yeah, so the layout is exactly the same as uh, for cycling anyway, as what it was for Rio. So on the very first day of the games is the four kilometer pursuit, which is on a velodrome. So riding around in circles. Uh, and then I think we've got about five days, I say off, it's not off. Um, 
to then focus on the uh, time trial, which is, so we won gold in both those events, our first two events. And then we've got another couple of days, I think in the, on the last day of the games is the road race. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty full on time for us out there. You know, where a lot of people go and compete in one event or, you know, or two events close together, like swimmers or, um, you know, on the, on athletics and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, we're kind of at either end. So it makes for a very busy, busy kind of couple of weeks. And you've talked a little bit about how the games are going to be different this year um, and there won't be any international spectators. How can people at home show their support for Team GB and for you um, during the Paralympics? Oh, if you yell really loud, we'll hear you. <laughs> no, I think, uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously social media channels. I'm not really sure what the deal is with the TV coverage because in Rio it was pretty dismal. Um, but I'm really hoping because there's no international spectators that are really going to kind of go he heavy on the TV coverage, which would be incredible. Um, but, but obviously social media is, you know, such a massive thing these days. Um, of, you know, like uh, Paralympics GB have, have got the Instagrams and the, and the Twitters and stuff or, or you know, jump, jump on mine. I think, uh, I think I'm going to be a bit more active this time around um, on, uh, on Instagram, which is my kind of main uh, main social platform that I use these days. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably try and do a few more little videos and stuff like that while I'm out there. And I know you've not um, always been a cyclist, Steve. What made you take up cycling as opposed to perhaps any other Paralympic sports, swimming, running? Yeah, well, I think um, the reason really came, so I, you know, my past is really climbing and, uh, and when I got my diagnosis, it was with RP, it was kind of like, well, I can't, you know, God, I thought I couldn't do that anymore. And, um, you know, that, that's like a whole, whole nother podcast, really, that story. But, uh, but yeah, a friend of mine, Karen Dark, who was a um, hand cyclist for the Paralympics GB, um, you know, she sort of said to me when I said, oh, you know, I can't, um, I'm going to lose my sight. And she said, oh, great, you can race on the back of a tandem. And, you know, at that point, it was probably a bit too early to be uh, to be here that because I was still kind of going through grief about not being able to climb. Um, but yeah, I guess once I got back into climbing and realised actually you can do anything you like, even if you've got RP, that that isn't uh, you know that's not a restraint on you at all. If anything, I think it's a uh, it's a blessing in a way um, that uh, yeah that 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 seed Karen planted. I kind of you know the thought of going to a Paralympics um, was was too too big of an opportunity to just let pass by so um so yeah so i turned to turn to jumping on a bike and and pedaling away and it's worked out pretty well i suppose and are you going to be cycling with your pilot adam Duggleby again this year yeah yeah yep so uh adam and i the old team are still uh still going all right um you know we've just come back from portugal which was the road world championships we haven't raced for 15 months so we weren't really sure how that was going to go, but we managed to sneak a win there in the time trial, which is great. So we're back, back in the rainbow stripes and uh, which is, you know, amazing for the third time. And um, yeah, it's going to be going to be great. I mean, Adam and I have been riding together for, I think, since 2014. So uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good partnership, really. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked that we're back, back in the saddle and off to our second, uh, second games. Fantastic. And had he had previous experience piloting a visually impaired cyclist or were you his first partnership in that sense? I, I think officially, like he'll probably say his dad's probably not, not got the best eyesight, but uh, I don't think there's any official uh, diagnosis for his dad. But uh, 
no, I, I was I was the first one that he um, that he kind of got on a bike and, and rode with, which was a bit bit of a shock to him, I think, because I was a climber, not a cyclist. So uh, at least his dad was a cyclist. But yeah, I mean, he he's he's a phenomenal guy. He's you know he's been riding the tandem with his dad from about the age of thirteen, so he's hugely experienced and and you know riding on the tandem. And I think he kicked his dad off the front pretty quickly. I think so. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly unfortunate to be you know to be paired with him. Um, he's got incredibly high standards, which, um, you know, which has really progressed my cycling career. You know, there's, there's certainly, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be in this position without, um, you know, without his, his kind of dedication and motivation and, um, sheer abuse that he gives me on the back, which is, uh, you know, which is great, which is great. It's a great, it's a great partnership. And Steve, I know you've talked publicly before and at our conference about um, your experience in living with RP. How's your vision at the moment? Is it stable or has it been deteriorating? Um, I think I'm super fortunate, really. Um, and I'm very aware people that, you know, will be listening to this, you know, um, will be in a very different boat. But my, my site's been pretty stable, you know, and that's really since I was diagnosed early on, I've been super fortunate, you know, like I can still ride a solo bike on my own, which um, don't get me wrong, stressful. I have to be very careful where I ride. Obviously I don't go riding around cities and things like that with lots of traffic, um, you know, but I, I, I can still manage that, um, which I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fingers crossed. It's, it's stable and, and hopefully, um, hopefully it continues that way for, for a lot longer, but uh yeah, I guess, I guess at the end, you know, the reality is I, I know it's going to get worse. Um, that That's a given. So I'm just trying to make the most and enjoy the site that I have. So, you know, that's, um, hey, if that day comes that I can't do the things that I do, I can't, you know, I can look back and be grateful, not not bitter, that I've gone and kind of achieved everything I could. So, so yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. And does anyone else in your family have RP, Steve, or were you the first to be diagnosed? Yeah, I was the first. Um, so I was I was kind of the lucky one, I suppose. Um, my, you know, my older brother, he's he's clear. Uh, my parents don't have it. Um, my grandparents, unfortunately, aren't with us anymore. So I'm not sure whether or not, you know, one of one of them may have had it and and kind of passed that on. I don't, I, you know, obviously we'll we'll never know. So uh, yeah, so it's it's just me at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the lucky one. And have you ever had a genetic test or received a genetic diagnosis? No, I never have. I never have. Maybe I should. What, what, what would that tell me? What would it tell me? It would. Uh, it's interesting, actually. We've recently launched um, a resource called Unlock Genetics, which is all around um, genetic diagnosis. Um, and the fact that it's very much a personal choice um, for members of our community, whether that's something they would like to do or, or not. But in, in many ways, it, it gives you more information potentially about your condition. You know which gene is, is causing it if you get a diagnosis. Um, and it can give um, potentially more information um, around prognosis, um, inheritance patterns, family planning, things like that. Um, so some people um, want to go down that road and some people don't. It's very much a personal choice. Yeah. D does that mean I can work out which parent I got it from and blame them? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's next for you, Steve? What are your plans post Tokyo? Ooh, well, um, 
there's a couple of secrets here that I haven't really made public. So one of them, which isn't so exciting, is surgery. So I actually need surgery on my on my left hip, um, which I've known about since January. Um, and so getting to the games this time around would be a, a, an amazing achievement personally, because I've I've kind of been working with this injury that I need surgery on. And the downside was I, I don't have time to have the surgery and then you know, get back to the level of fitness that I needed, needed the game. So, you know, the incredible medical team and, and, and physio staff at, uh, at BC have kind of patched me up and, and kind of, you know, and given me incredible support to, uh, to, to get where we are now, which is, you know, which is amazing. But um, so, yeah, so the, I think the very first thing when I come back, probably the week I come back will be surgery, which, uh, yeah, that's, that's something to look forward to. Um so it's, it's minor, it's nothing major, but um, yeah, it needs, it needs to be kind of sorted. Um, but then after that, like then I've, I've kind of got, I've probably got a couple of months off with, uh, with kind of rehab and recovering from that. And during that time, I'm planning to, uh, planning to kind of get my head around the next challenge that I've kind of set myself, which is Cairo to Cape Town. So I am going to try and break the very wonderful man, Mark Beaumont's record riding my bike from Cairo to Cape Town, um, which at this stage will be supported, hopefully. Uh, it might be solo. It depends if I can raise the money or not to, to go. Um, but yeah, that's looking like early next year. So that's um, a few stats on that. It's, it's kind of like six and a half thousand miles and... Uh, and the, and the dream is to do it in 25 days, um, which is around about 260-ish miles a day riding. So it's a, uh, it's a big ask. Um, but no, from what I'm aware, no one with a kind of any discipline, let alone a visual discipline, has really gone after one of these major prizes in endurance riding. Um, and I kind of don't understand why. You know, I kind of think, you know... Um, I think in, in many ways, having a disability is, is a slight advantage. Um, and so I, I want to go and be the first one to give it a try. And, you know, I might fail dismally. I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, that's the great thing about adventure. You, ne you never kind of know that outcome. And, and uh, so, yeah, so that, that is really, once the game's out of the way, my, my next huge focus really, which, uh, yeah, which is exciting and terrifying all at the, all at the same time. But I mean, the, the riding itself doesn't really, terrify me that much it's it's more the putting this kind of package together and 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 getting people to buy into it as as you know that's the thing you know writing's what I do that's my job I'm you know I'm quite good at that but the whole kind of marketing of this this whole kind of like code of Cape Town brand thing is um is yeah I've really kind of had to scratch my head a lot about that and obviously it's the worst time possible with a year of COVID to try and get funding for, for, uh, for, for a big adventure. So uh, yeah, I've kind of made it really hard for myself, but you know, I mean, hey, that's, that's kind of a given. It's what I do, I think. That sounds amazing, Steve. You have to keep us posted. Absolutely. And you're obviously a keen supporter of Rest in the UK and you're one of our ambassadors. Um, how has the charity helped you during your sight loss journey? Uh, I think, um, I, I think the support that uh, that obviously you guys have given me and, and really the, the community, I think uh, a lot of, a lot of times when you get a bit down on yourself about, you know, trip over something or walk into something, small things, it's the small things that, you know, kind of catch me off guard a lot of the time. And, and, and I, I think knowing that there's this, 
network of like-minded people and support that you can access is is kind of amazing you know it's a it really kind of kind of help help you know helps me just knowing you know just knowing that um it's uh it, it's there um and obviously you know supporting the work you guys do and you know like the spring appeal and um obviously the tandem ride and stuff it's just loads of fun you know you guys you guys are a great branch and i'm incredibly fortunate that uh that i'm an ambassador for you guys oh, we really appreciate everything you do for us steve and thank you very much for joining us today it's been absolutely fascinating and i know that we're all going to be rooting for you um, at Tokyo I hope it goes fantastically well and you can uh, bring back some more of those medals yeah well let, let's hope so I just got to get through the next month with my hip and then once we're on that plane it's good to go so uh, yeah thanks very much and hey enjoy the summer guys all the uh, all the best thanks Steve. thank you for listening you can find out more about Retina UK by visiting our website www.retinauk.org.uk if you would like to get in touch, please email info at retinauk.org.uk or telephone 01280 821 334.